Okay, uh, in the syllabus, you want to let me know what page it is in yours. How do we hear the voice of God? It's page 48 for me, so that might give you a little bit of close direction there. And, oh no, how do we hear? It was right after what we did last week. Yeah, it's good because then you, when you go to take notes, it's... Last week was stirring faith to prophesy was the last thing we went to. What is it? 36. Page 36, okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you and praise you for who you are. I thank you that we are your sons and daughters. We're hearing your voice, and we're going to walk in obedience to your voice. Lord, I just thank you that by your grace, by your power, by your authority, Lord God, you are investing into us in such a way that we will take our lives and invest them into others. Lord, we just thank you that the kingdom of God is expanded in us as well as through us. And so, Holy Spirit, come and be the teacher today. Give each person personal revelation, Lord God, as I teach. But Lord, I just thank you that the Holy Spirit is bringing that quickening in the name of Jesus, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. So, okay, I love this. Now, 1 Corinthians 12:1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, Brethren, I would not have you ignorant. That means he wants us to gain the knowledge about spiritual gifts. Because isn't it true? Anything you have knowledge of, pardon? It is on. Everything that you have knowledge of empowers you. You know, why do we get an education? We get an education so that we have the tools we need to accomplish a specific goal or a specific objective. And so we have to have the knowledge of what the Word of God says concerning spiritual gifts so it builds our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? So the more understanding we have of spiritual gifts, then we are able to discern for ourselves our role, how God uses us, determine how he speaks. That's why we do the quiz in the beginning all the time, because those are all simple principles that literally unleash inside of us a confidence to release the voice of God. So we don't wanna be ignorant of spiritual gifts. Now look, number one, the Holy Spirit will speak to our human spirit. And I had him bring in a, a blackboard for me this morning because this is so huge because we need to understand in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless, right? So we are a three-part being. You all know this, right? So we have a body. Now... I am not an artist, but this is my body, soul, spirit, man. And we have a section in there. We might get to it all on the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the prophetic manual. And you'll see my little three-part man in there, all right? But we did that on the computer, so it looks a little better. So this is our body. We have a soul. And I'll put it there just for our soul. And what is our soul? It is our mind, 
our will and our emotions. Our mind is our thinking capacity, right? Our will is the choices we make. Our emotions are the results of how we think. So our thinking, decision-making ability, the executive part of our life where we make choices. You know, God never overrides our choice, does he? He's wanting us to love him and serve him and follow him by a choice of our will. And that is so powerful. I mean, he worked on me for years. It took me till I was 21. I hit the rock bottom. I said, okay, okay, God, if you're there, do something in my life. And you heard the story. He rushes in. He delivers me. He does so many beautiful things in my life. And I start a journey. But he was waiting for me to make that choice to open the door. Right? Behold, and this is talking to the church. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, so that's the first step we have to hear his voice and we have to discern his voice, then I'm going to come in. We're going to hang out. We'll fellowship. I'm going to teach you amazing things, you know. I'm Melody's paraphrase, of course. All right, so body, soul, and spirit. Okay, this is our spirit man. Now, let's look at this scripture. Um, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. So the fact is, in God is our creator. The creator God made every human being in his likeness, correct? He created every human being with a body, with a soul, and with a spirit. And until we know Jesus, our spirit man really is controlled by the kingdom of darkness, correct? Now, we can make choices. We can resist evil. I mean, have you ever met non-believers and they are almost more godly in their actions than some believers? Yeah. Why? Because literally woven in our soul, you've heard me teach this, woven in our soul is love and validation because that's what came from the creator. God is love and he created every human being, every part of us, our body, our soul, and our spirit to be love. And that's why whenever we do anything contrary to love, it causes emotional suffering. So whether we're saved or we're not saved, when we walk in ways that are contrary to love, contrary to truth, contrary to life, all right, when we do that, it brings emotional suffering. And I'll tell you, when we don't know Jesus, we do not have communion in a way with the Spirit of God to teach our soul. We inquire of the Lord. I've talked so much in the class about we need to inquire of the Lord. Why? Because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. So before we know Christ, we are not born again. We, um, darkness encompasses our spirit man. Death. Remember when uh, Adam and Eve sinned? You know, the moment they ate of that fruit, they died. Where did they die? They didn't fall over dead. Their minds still worked. Where did they die? Their spirit man. This is basic salvation teaching right here. Their, their spirit man died. They were alive unto God. Now they have died, right? And that immediately affected their soul with shame, fear, control, right? And then their body became mortal. Their body was not mortal before. Their soul was not tormented. Isn't that right? Yeah. So you think about this. 
So when we got saved, what happened? We received Jesus. We believe Jesus came, he died on the cross, and he rose again. And what happens? We become a new creature in Christ. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in our human spirit. It is brand new. Man, my mind might be messed up, and I'm still a work in progress, but I'll tell you, God had to do a lot of work on me from when the moment I said, God, if you're there, do something in my life to bring me to this point because my soul was a mess. And so it was a journey, a lifelong journey. Guess what? None of us have arrived. We're still in this lifelong journey of our mind being renewed by the word of God. And remember the word of God is the Holy Spirit in written form, correct? The mind of God, I, no, oh, the Word of God is the mind of God in written form. Right. The Holy Spirit is the mind of God in quickened form. And so when we got saved, the Holy Spirit came to dwell in our human spirit. So this is us now, correct? So when you look at this, uh, the Holy Spirit will speak to our human spirit right here here's our human spirit right it's born again so the holy spirit is hanging out in us think about this so i got saved uh 76 what's that 44 years ago so uh the night i said god if you're there do something in my life that was 44 years ago so I've been hanging out with the Holy Ghost. He's been living inside of my human spirit for 44 years. And actually, I'm married 44 years because it was just a few months after I got saved that we got married and then we both brought our garbage together and we had years of God working on both of us, okay? And so, um, so I've been married for 44 years. Well, I'll tell you, my husband, if somebody asks him a question and say, what would, you know, what do you think about doing this? Or the kids come and say, hey, pap, you know, why don't we do this for Christmas? He'd say, oh, that would be great. Your mom would love that. Or no, don't even think about it. There's no way she's going to do that. <laughs> he knows me because he's been living with me, hanging out with me for 44 years, right? So we've been hanging out with the Holy Spirit, and whether we were aware or not aware, the moment we received Jesus Christ, my sheep hear my voice in the voice of a stranger they don't follow. The Holy Spirit is living in us, quickening on the inside of us the mind of God. And then when we go read the mind of God in written form, he makes it alive on the inside of us. Prophecy is the mind of God in verbal form. So when truth is quickened in my spirit man by the Holy Spirit, and I begin to communicate that by all those questions we go over before the class all the time, when I release that, it is prophecy because it is the mind of God in verbal form. And we've got to recognize if truth, if our mind is renewed by truth, it aligns with the heart of God and it aligns with his character. So if our mind, if our, we have the thought and ways of heaven, what happens? We can take the thought and ways of heaven and communicate it. And guess what? That is the mind of God in verbal form, which is simple prophecy, edification, exhortation, and comfort. But 
There also is the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will quicken in us. And that's where there are words of knowledge, words of wisdom. That's where there are the gifts of the Spirit. And we're going to go in to the gifts of the Spirit. Because we don't want to be ignorant of them. But when that is quickened on the inside of us, it is like saying, go for it. I'm making this alive on the inside of you. You can step out. I just gave you a word of knowledge. You can step out and you can pray for that person knowing it is my will to heal because I revealed it to you. I quickened that on the inside of you. We can walk and pray for anybody anytime for healing, right? Because that's the truth. And we can make a conscious choice to do that. And God will honor his word with signs following. This is his word. And if his word rules and reigns in, in my soul, I can step out by faith. I don't need a thus saith the Lord because I got the thus saith the Lord in written form, right? But when the Holy Spirit quickens something on the inside of us, that is the Holy Spirit speaking to us at a specific moment in time with a specific purpose. And so really that's what you think. This is what the whole prophetic track is about. Being very aware when the Holy Spirit is quickening something on the inside of us so we can respond to it. So when they all prophesied over your son, they, they know the truth. And they went through all the grids that we talk about in the beginning of every class in our quiz. They go through that. But they were listening, inquiring for the Holy Spirit to quicken in their spirit man. They wanted to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit because they knew if it came from their spirit man rather than from their thinking. That's why we love to prophesy over people we don't know because we don't have to deal with what we know, the knowledge we have. The only information we can get about someone when we don't know them is what the Holy Spirit reveals. That's why huh, you can't look in the outward. You can't assume, oh man, they don't have a ring on. They mustn't be married. And the Lord says, I'm bringing an amazing husband for you. I, I'm married. I've been married for 20 years. I just don't wear a wedding ring. Right? You know, we can't look at the external, right? And so, um, you know, a lot of people do that. Actually, oh, this is a neat story. I just read this uh, thing on Facebook and it was an, a little article about a waitress. She went in and she was treating this uh, homeless man or this real poor person appeared homeless, you know, just with the respect when most people treated him terribly. And, oh, I might have the figure wrong, but here she valued the person when everybody else judged according to the outward man. And he gave her something like a million dollar tip or something like that. Come on, guys. So the moment we start processing it hinders our ability to be sensitive to the quickening of the Holy Spirit. Make sense? Okay. There is a voice from the human spirit and there is a voice from the Holy Spirit. So you notice the Holy Spirit dwells 
within our human spirit. And our human spirit is alive unto God. I've been hanging out with the Holy Spirit for 44 years. It's like I know him. I'm aware of how he talks to me. I'm aware of when he causes something to come alive on the inside of me. And it's not based upon goosebumps that might Goosebumps might be a byproduct. It, it's not based upon anything external. It's just that I've been hanging out with him that I'm aware when he's stirring something on the inside of me. And something, revelation, knowledge, instruction, whatever, just drops in my spirit. That's like this morning I was just getting ready to go and I, my mind thought of Timothy. And it was, okay, and, and go get books for both their sons. I didn't hear it for Catherine. I didn't hear it for your daughter, you know. Uh, and so I said, get books for her sons. So I said, okay. Went in there, got books, and I brought them. Well, was that God or was it? Well, it really doesn't matter, but so, it was quickened to me. And I've been hanging out with the Holy Spirit long enough. I recognize when he interrupts my world. And I recognize that wasn't even in my, man, it's morning. Guys, it's morning. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm not a morning person, you know, <laughs> it's morning. I'm just like trying to get ready. All right. And so I'm not thinking about things like that. My brain gets into gear of processing when I get in the car and start driving down. Right. But boy, that just came alive in my spirit, man. So what do we do? We just respond. See, there's a voice of the Holy Spirit and a voice of our human spirit. And because I've been hanging out with the Holy Spirit, my human spirit is alive unto God. And you know what? We can trust our human spirit. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in our human spirit. And one of, one of our big, well, it's down there. Uh, uh, Hebrews 5.14. But strong meat belongs to those who are of full age, meaning mature, who by reason of use. You might be naturally prophetic, but if you don't by reason of use judge what you bring to the table. I have been around individuals and they say, oh, you know, I see when you were six years old, uh, you know, you did such and such. And you go, no, I don't think everybody. Well, I know I heard God. You know, like we think we are got it all together and we know exactly. You know, I've heard seasoned prophets say, you know, when you were six years old, you go, no, okay, well, this might, you know, it probably doesn't apply, but this is what I was feeling. Or when you were six years old, did this happen? And you go, yeah, okay, now I know. See, they tested, they tested what they were feeling and sensing by just asking a simple question. I think we get into trouble when we think we have to prove people that we are so holy, we hear God so perfectly. Come on, guys. By reason of use, our senses are exercised to discern. And one of the most noble things uh, uh, is when we will acknowledge when we missed it. All that says, it doesn't mean, what makes a false prophet? That they make a mistake? What makes a false prophet is lack of character. Um, what's his name? Help me, Jesus. It's in the syllabus somewhere. Um, who was deemed a false prophet? 
Oh, help me, Jesus. Anyway, there's a prophet. It'll come back to me because I preach this all the time. I should remember it. But um, he gave the most accurate prophetic words about the Messiah. But the word of God calls him a false prophet. He was bought. Oh. Curse, curse Israel. And he goes, you know, I can't. Oh, help, help. Oh, yeah. He, he, yeah. They tried to get him to, but he couldn't do it. He said, I, I can't curse Israel. And they, oh, yeah. come on. Oh, help me, Jesus. <laughs> oh. Don't you hate that? But anyway, we'll, we'll find that guy's name. But anyway, you know, here he was. He gave the most accurate prophetic words about the Messiah. But he was deemed a false prophet because he did not have God's character. He was bought. Come on. Hey, if I have to do this and betray Israel, I'll do it. I was, he was bought. So it's not that we are perfect. Uh, what, what makes me have knowledge on this isn't whether or not I can remember this guy's name. <laughs> no, really think about it. It's who? Balaam. Balaam. Yes. Is that Balaam? Yes. Yes, okay, there you go, Balaam. So he had the most accurate pro prophecy about the Messiah, but he was deemed a false prophet. So it's not because a person doesn't make a mistake. It's because they carry the character and the nature of Christ. And so it's very important that we remain very humble because we're not all that. Without him, we can do nothing. Come on, guys. So... Um, so there is a voice of the human spirit and there's a voice of the Holy Spirit. And so we must recognize that our human spirit, uh, has been hanging out with the Holy Spirit so much so, and the more we feed our soul on the things of God, now my whole inner man is in a line with heaven, right? And when that begins to take place, God can trust us. And we can become very confident that what we communicate not only lines up with the word of God, but it lines up with what the spirit of God himself would speak. And that's why it's so important when we do prophesy that we can are able to recognize, I am sensing this. I'm not saying it's the Holy Spirit, but my, I can feel my human spirit being activated. You, you know, when you pray in spirit, if I pray in the spirit, pray in tongues long enough, when I do it, I begin, my spirit man, I begin to feel it so strong in the depths of me. That's my spirit man. My spirit man is coming alive. My head doesn't understand it. It does not communicate to my mind or my thoughts, but my spirit is coming alive because I am just tapping into that. Now, when my mind can partner with my human spirit in alignment with truth, do you realize the power, the authority, the impact that I can make? So the fact is, now my body will come along for the ride, correct? But my inner man, so there's a big difference between our inner man and our outer man. That's why we cannot judge according to the flesh. 
That's why I can't look at you and just, oh man, I just know that I know that I know this woman is called to do this, this, and this, because I've seen other women that look just like you and they're called to do that too. So that must be God. No, see, that's all in the thinking. It's all natural. But it's being able to go beyond that and being sensitive to your human spirit as well as the Holy Spirit. And just like I said, my husband knows what I'm going to think about certain things. Uh, someone comes up and they say, well, you know, I think, uh, I think God brings sickness. And you go, well, because this happened and this happened and this happened, I think God brought sickness. You know what we got to do? we got to go back to the Word of God. Correct? Yeah. we got to go feed upon truth so that my, my human spirit knows it has fed on healing so much through the years. And my, my human spirit is alive to the truth of healing and miracles, right? My human spirit so much so that anything that's contradicted to that, my brain goes tilt. I can't wrap my head around COVID. I can't wrap my head around that. I can't wrap my head around sicknesses, disease, and all this kind of stuff. It's just God didn't create us. It's not his will for any of those things, but we recognize we are in a battle. We are in a war. So are we going to trust our human spirit or are we going to trust the external? Or are we going to trust the thoughts and the fears and the news and the whatever else that says, oh my gosh, there's more cases than there's been ever, you know, so therefore, what, you know. And so, you know, we live in a fallen world. There's a clash between light and darkness. I'm, I mean, sickness, germs, I mean, it's a natural thing. It's a physiological thing. But the fact is, are we going to focus on the human spirit that is alive unto God and say, God, what do you say about this? Hey man, you fought a fight, but you fought a fight in faith. You had to face external things. You had to face external battles, but inside of you was a human spirit that was empowered by the Holy Spirit that says, I can't quit. I can't give up. I can't get discouraged. And your soul probably was giving you fits, but you had to keep leaning on that human spirit. Come on. Isn't that true? Ever go through a battle? See, that's why we cannot lean. We cannot be ignorant of spiritual gifts, recognizing because we think God will do things based upon what we see and what we think, our emotions. But we have to recognize this is the realm in which we function. And our human spirit is alive unto God. Our mind has to be renewed. The battle is in the soul. So whether we're receiving a prophetic word, giving a prophetic word, whatever we're doing, we got to recognize that there is that battle and we always give preeminence to our, our human spirit where the Holy Spirit dwells. What's preeminence mean? Top priority. Authority over. You know, God is a whole lot bigger than anything. And so we constantly have to refocus our attention on him. So Proverbs 20, 27, I love this. The spirit of man, the human spirit, the human spirit of man, okay, 
is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. In NIV, it says, the lamp of the Lord searches the spirit of man. It searches out his innermost being. So here it's saying, the spirit man, your spirit man is the candle of the Lord. Why? Because the human spirit dwells within your human spirit. Think about it. The moment you got saved, you became a light in a dark world. I mean, my external actions for a long time did not align with truth. But the fact was, in the eyes of heaven, I was at that moment, I candle the Lord. Okay? I won't go into the ways to heal uh, here uh, or the scriptures. So let's turn the page to character and the gifts of the spirit. This is just huge because this is the thing, uh, and probably I might even have Balaam in here somewhere, but... Um, the fact is, character is the key. I would rather someone who um, walks in the character of Christ pray for me than one that is so knowledgeable they're critical of everybody that doesn't know what they know. Or they're critical of people that don't carry the grace or the anointing like they do. Come on. I want the character of Christ. And really, that's what God looks for. So we need to seek maturity as well as the gifts. In 1 Corinthians 14.1, I love this. Follow after love. What should we follow after? Love. Who is love? God is love. So our effort should be in following love, which I put in there, mature Christian character, and desire spiritual gifts. Man, God wants us to desire, covet to prophesy, right? So he wants us to desire the spiritual gifts because those are the things in which we can bless the world. The gifts are not for us. If I have a word of knowledge, it's not for me unless he's telling me where to find my keys or something, you know. <laughs> but um, really the gifts are for what we contribute to our world, right? And so, but our gift to God is to follow after love. And so if I follow after love, then he can trust me with the gifts. So follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you prophesy out of all the spiritual gifts, I want you to prophesy. Why? Because it's all about edifying, exhorting, and comforting others. It's all about building up another. It's all about valuing and honoring and celebrating the human being whether they're saved or they're not saved, to be able to see what God placed in them before the foundations of the world. We get to be treasure seekers. And when we go, wherever we go, there is a treasure in every human being we meet. I was just talking um, to um, an expert in diversity and inclusion from Australia. Uh, just yesterday, we had a, a, a Zoom meeting. And as we were talking, uh, it was just so amazing because what we see is we see crazy things happening around the world. And she's saying, Melody, now give, speak into this because I'm hearing this about the United States and I'm hearing this and I'm hearing this and I'm hearing this. And I go, yeah, there's a lot of crazy things. And, um, and you know, she got a little intense about it. And I said, do you know what? They're just afraid. People doing these crazy things, they're just afraid. 
Think about it. We do crazy things when we're afraid. We do the opposite of what God's called us to do when we're afraid. When he wants us to make a step forward, we'll take a step backwards when we're afraid, correct? Whatever we're carrying, we will pull back on and won't release when we're afraid. So really the key is, we. I told you this last week, I'm on a crusade to confront fear, right? And so when we look at this, it says, I want you to prophesy. That means we got to look past all these crazy things that our people are doing because it's fear-based. Why would I yell and scream and get angry and rage and call people bad names? And why would I get violent? Why would I do all these things? Because I am driven to meet my own need. Because if I don't do these things, I'm not going to get what I want. So it's all fear-based living. And what? Perfect love. We've talked about this already. Perfect love, which is our God, casts out all fear because fear has torment or fear has punishment. A word for torment is punishment. Whenever we believe that we have so messed up or our needs are not going to be met, we are tormented. So what do we do? We step into behaviors and attitudes and actions that are opposite of who we really are. Isn't it amazing when we are in a place where we can trust our God and fear is dispelled and we recognize perfect love is not out to punish us. How many made a mistake in the last week? Uh, maybe how many made a mistake today? All right. You know, so the fact is he's not looking to punish us. He wants us to look to perfect love because when we are consumed in perfect love, the fear of punishment leaves. And when fear leaves, then who God created me to be can be released. Then the creativity, then the calling, then the gifts. Now I'm not walking around trying to just protect Melody. No, what I'm doing is saying, how can I bless you? And how can I bless you? And how can I invest into you? See, that's... Crazy things happen because the enemy wants us to be afraid. Remember in the last days, perilous times, men's hearts will faint for fear. That's the enemy's whole goal is to get humanity to be afraid so they run away from perfect love. So follow after love. No, follow, understand, hang out with perfect love so much. Allow your spirit man just to stop and inquire of perfect love. Because the moment you follow after love, you're going to desire the spiritual gifts so that you can love humanity, right? And he said, out of all the spiritual gifts, I want you to covet to prophesy. If you're hungry for anything, I want you to be hungry to prophesy, which means I want you to be so hungry to find people to edify. I want you to be so hungry to exhort and to comfort. And you know, we can do that by a renewed human spirit, a born again human spirit. We can do it by a renewed mind. Because when my thoughts align with heaven's thoughts, I can look at you through the eyes of heaven. And then my whole perspective about you is of heaven. 
And that allows me to see past, to see the beauty that you carry. So I'm not controlled by the external. This gal, as I was talking, she goes, Melody, how, how can you connect to some of these people when they're doing this and this and this and this? And I said, you cannot, we have to separate what a person does from who they really are. And when we start speaking into who they really are as a valuable human being, it's going to resonate with them. It's going to start to heal the way they think about themselves. Because the fact is, when I can love me, I can love you. When I can celebrate what God's put inside of me, I'm going to look for people to celebrate. Come on, this about gets rid of every problem we can have. And then when the external problems of the things that are in the world like COVID and stuff like that. Now, we, okay, it's a natural thing and we'll do what we know to do in the natural and that's what Global's doing. We have our mask, we have our hand sanitizer, we have all this stuff, right? We're doing what we need to do in the natural because that is a, a physical, I'm, I believe it's sourced from hell, but it's a physical thing, right? But the fact is, a human being is eternal. A human being is made in the image of God. And God is looking for people that will love people like he loves them. And we'll all fall short of that all the time. But that's our goal. That's our objective. That's our finish line, right? So he says, I want you to prophesy. I want you to be those that exhort and comfort and edify and encourage. Come on, I want you to be those. You're in the grocery store. You don't have to preach them a sermon. You just say, oh, you know, I just want you to know, you know, you're, you're just so beautiful. I love your smile. Oh, thank you. Actually, uh, someone uh, from my mom's doctor's office called and, you know, they call all the time. But anyway, she called and uh, she goes, do you want this? And I said, oh, no, 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 that's okay. And then I just stopped because, you know, she was just doing her thing and, she didn't have an attitude, but she wasn't like a positive. And I said, hey, before we hang up, I want to thank you so much. You guys go out of your way to call and to care. You don't, you don't have to do this. And I really appreciate how you demonstrate that you care for you, the patient. And she goes, really? Really? And she just lit up. She goes, man, nobody ever tells me anything like that. That is because her job is to call these people who really don't want to be called, you know, and um, she just lit up. It doesn't take a lot to demonstrate value. You know, uh, there's a situation I'm going through right now. And, um, and I've been talking to Katie about uh, a, a specific, that's my right hand gal, about a specific situation. And I said, one, we have to deal with this, but we got to keep our value meter high. You know, what is, what the actions of this individual aren't the best, but when we deal with it, we've got to keep our value meter high. Because if we keep that value meter or love meter or whatever you want to call it, or, you know, lining up with perfect love, we got to keep that high so we can lead in that situation effectively. Every parent has got to keep their value meter high when their kids do crazy things. Isn't that right? 
We correct the action. We don't attack the person. Why are you always doing that, man? You know, I mean, we just attacked him. We have just labeled them who always does the rebellious thing. No, we got to keep the value meter high. I, I don't understand why you did that. This is not you. You are, and you tell them the opposite of that, right? Yeah. We got to keep the value meter high. This scripture, we just go through this so fast and we ignore it and go, no, no, we just want to practice the prophetic. Come on, guys. We've got to have the right foundation so that when we practice the prophetic, whether we have a perfect prophetic word or not, whether it's inspired by our human spirit or by the Holy Spirit himself, the fact is it is going to be something that so empowers a person and draws them to God, not away from God, to see their value and see their worth. So we follow after perfect love, paraphrase. We desire spirit, spiritual gifts. And if we're going to desire one, we want to prophesy to exhort, edify, and comfort. We should have understanding in the gifts. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, I would not have you to be ignorant. I already shared that one. We can grow in the gifts. And this is the important thing. Where we start is not where we're going to end up. You know, at first, you know, you're almost afraid to say, it's like, I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying that he loves you. We're almost afraid because, man, if I say God said it and he didn't say it, man, I'm going to get the hammer from heaven come down and zap me, you know? <laughs> you know, that's why. Does it align with the word? Does it align with his heart? Okay? So, uh, having then gifts differing. Oh, we might not all prophesy the same way. It doesn't have to look like Melody. It doesn't have to look like Kim. It doesn't have to look like, it doesn't, it doesn't have to look like, name a prophet. Come on. <laughs> Charlie Shab. I mean, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to look like somebody else. We all have differing gifts and our prophetic grace will flow through the gifts that we have. I flow prophetically in a corporate boardroom. Why? I have a gift for corporate boardrooms. I love it. I'm on a high. I feel just as much anointing. I can't say, oh, I can feel God. Can you feel God? No, I don't do that. I'm, I'm joking. Okay. You know, I feel the anointing. And I, I've learned through the years that I'm almost more prophetic there than I am in probably because I've raised up so many people to be prophetic that I'm not back in the prophetic team when I raised up the prophetic teams you know now I don't have to be back there every week so they prophesy so much more than I do and um, but I get in a corporate boardroom or uh, last night I just did a, a coaching call with an executive and man you know God just was just showing up I, w I was just applying things to his marriage and I don't know anything about his wife I don't know anything about his wife's CVI. I don't know anything about anything that I do. But I said, okay, for instance, you know, and I was using these examples. He, go, he goes, oh, my gosh. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And it was like, it was prophetic. And while I'm going, I go, I'm being prophetic right now. Okay, Lord, you're speaking to me. I wasn't even trying to be prophetic. The fact is, 
if we follow after love, I can't get off the scripture. If we follow after love and we desire spiritual gifts and we're going to take it into our sphere of influence, we will edify, we will exhort, we will comfort, we will give hope to people. This guy was freaking out because I was speaking into situations and giving him solutions for his marriage in the most unique way. And at the end of two hours, you know, oh, okay, it was about a two-hour coaching call. And about an hour later, he, he just said, my wife wants to do the CVI, and my wife would love to have a session with you because I told, you know, her all this stuff, and she could not believe it. But see, that wasn't from the CVI. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do I know about his wife from his CVI? Come on, guys. It's just a platform. Whatever God's given you to do, wherever you're at, you could be a waitress in a restaurant and you could be prophetic there. Come on. Oh, I, I, I went to this restaurant. You know, when I go to a restaurant, um, uh, I do a lot of customer service stuff. So wherever I go, whatever I do, I look at things through a customer service. If I hire someone to come and do something in my house, I look through a customer service lens because I teach on that, valuing all of humanity, right? How are we gonna treat? And uh, people will pay more for somebody they trust than to get somebody in if they're not secure that they're gonna do it the right way. Come on, I'm going to my customer service stuff. But anyway, so I was in this restaurant and this gal, man, she was, she was having a bad day. And I, you know, here I am, and it was a little church. All this little church ladies, you know, we're in this thing, and we're all there. We're all happy being with our church family, and there's about six of us, and we were just doing our thing, and she's coming. She has her fingers in the glasses, like three glasses like this, plops them down, and, and I'm looking at this, and Melody wants to get irritated. Melody wants to correct this girl and teach her how to value all of humanity, right? So, <laughs> and, and it's like, it's irritating me. I'm really off task today. Three, there's three reasons why we get angry. You need to write this down. Doesn't the Bible say, be angry, but do not sin? There's three reasons why we get angry. And when we feel anger, frustration, irritation, Whatever you want to label, it's anger, okay? When you feel that, go through these three things, and you'll find it hitting one of those. Number one is when you feel shamed or devalued. If I come up and I say something mean to you, it's going to make you angry. That was wrong. What you just said to me, that I'm shh. That's where offense comes. Man, they said this to me, and for six years, you know, I'm still offended with them, you know? Because it started with anger, and he turns to offense and everything else. So, shamed. Second one, our needs are not being met. If my needs are not being met, I'll get mad at God, I'll get mad at others, I'll, uh, I'll get mad at my husband because he's not loving me like I want to be loved, you know, or whatever. So, whenever I feel my needs are not being met, out of my self-focus, I will get angry. And people might not be doing anything, but if I personally am struggling, I could walk around being angry just because the battle's on the inside of me because my emotional needs are not being met. Maybe my physical needs are not being met. 
my financial needs. Oh man, I'm struggling financially. God, I thought you said you love me. Oh, I got a story about that. Don't let me forget this. Um, we move up to our area. We are living on $200 a month my mother was giving us. Stephen couldn't get a job unless he worked Sundays and we were starting a church. I mean, we were a family of four. I mean, we lived under poverty level for the first 15 years that we were there. And in those early years, it was $200 from my mom to try to live. And I remember I had $3, I went into the grocery store. And I'm getting angry. Because I'm trying to figure out how, what I can get and stretch $3 to be able to feed my family on $3. And I'm looking around, these heathens, these heathens, they had two, three half gallons of ice cream, which I was addicted to at the time. Ice cream in their cart, you know, their carts were piled full, these heathens. I don't know if they were heathens, but I remember thinking, these are heathens. Here we are serving God, and I got three lousy dollars, and these heathens got ice cream in their carts. And I mean, I'm angry. I'm really angry. And I get home, and I sit down, and I know I have a bad attitude, and I go like this, and go like, oh, and I just did it. Oh, my goodness. I I went like that when I, and here, I went right where I went. 38 years ago. This is weird. All right. Right here it is. Your words have been stout against me, says the Lord. Uh, we are in, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 13. See, some of our rabbit trails might be prophetic, and God wants this in you more than than. Uh, prophetic training and we're almost at break time okay so remember I'm mad I'm thinking bad about others I'm complaining to God even though I wouldn't attack God but it's like here we are serving God and you know I got three lousy dollars so I come back and you do you ever do that just go like that and put your finger down that's what I did and that's what I just did your words have been stout against me says the Lord Yet you say, what have we spoken so much against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. Oh, man, am I getting convicted. I remember sit there, tears start running down my cheek. Man, I was corrected by my daddy. You said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it? What profit is it that we have kept? We are so holy. And I got three lousy dollars. Uh, and what profit is it that we have kept his ordinances and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? We are paying such a big price. And we had just spent the year prior going around the country, made $1,100 in a year, and we've got two babies. Each of them have one toy. That's all they have. My babies. Okay. And now we call the proud happy. All those with their carts full of groceries. These heathens. Man. We call the proud happy. And yay. Those that work wickedness are set up. And they that tempt God are even delivered. Oh my goodness. You talk about a woman getting convicted. And there wasn't anybody else in the room, all right? But then he said, Then those that feared the Lord spoke one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Every time I think 
of perfect love. Every time I follow perfect love, he is writing in a book of remembrance. You know, when we're worshiping everything we do, just coming and sitting in school day after day and focusing and listening and celebrating God and hearing and learning and growing and reading the word. Every time our thoughts are on our God, he's writing it in a book of remembrance. Nothing is wasted. Everything might be going bad because obviously some things have been going wrong, right? (laughs) We might have only had $3.00. There was no food in our cupboards. I have two babies that I love. Come on. He said, no, you keep talking the things of God. Where's our focus? Is our focus on $3 or is our focus on our God, on his love, on who he really is, on his thoughts, on his ways? Who thought it actually means meditated, really thinking on it. And you know what? Just by doing this and going like that, at that moment, God, that was his mercy. He was correcting me, but it was his mercy. He goes, Melody, you can't go there. If you go there, you're going to get bitter. And you're not going to be able to build in bitterness. If I'm angry at God, am I going to run to him for help? Come on. Verse 17, and they shall be mine. Look, so now he, we're talking about the things of God all the time. He's writing in a book. He's writing in a book now. Every time I preach, he's writing it in a book. Every time I listen to a sermon, he's writing it in a book, right? And they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels, I will spare them as a man spares his own son that serves him. They shall return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serves God and him that does not serve him. And let's go down uh, to verse 2 in chapter 4. But unto them that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And he shall go forth and grow up as calves out of a stall. And we have Amish farm right next to the church. And they have these little tiny things where they put the calves in, I guess, to protect them. And boy, you know, they open up those doors, those little calves go leaping out of that thing. Man, I am free, I'm free, out of bondage, right? And you shall tread down the wicked. We will tread down the wicked. We will tread down the wicked. The wicked will be ashes under the soles of our feet. Why? Because in the midst of these difficult seasons, we fear the Lord. You know my definition. I don't want to do anything that hurts his heart. My right-hand gal, Katie, her definition is God is bigger than anything. Nothing is bigger than God. And so whenever I put anything, a problem, a battle, a struggle, uh, uh, an offense or whatever, whatever I put above God, I'm not walking in the fear of the Lord because I'm saying that's bigger than him. And you shall tread down the wicked for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I do this, says the Lord. And then it talks about turning the hearts of the fathers to the children. But look at this. So anger. I'll let you go a little bit longer and break. Okay, so one is being shamed or being devalued. Number two is um, my needs not being met. All that came from my needs not being met. 
<laughs> and uh, oh, I want to tell you another story, but I can't. Uh, uh, pardon? I thought somebody said so. The third thing is our convictions being violated. So when I saw that girl with the three fingers, in that, that violated my convictions of how people should be treated. So it made me angry. It wasn't like I didn't like her, but I wanted to educate her. And I'll finish the story when we come back from break. So feel free to take an extra five minutes. So let's finish the story. The gal with the three fingers in there. Okay, I'm getting yeah. angry. It's irritating me. And uh, you know how you feel all those things? And the... Holy Spirit quickened my spirit. And uh, he said, she said, he said to me, uh, she's very wounded by her father. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, so that means I know there's a demand placed on me to do something right now, right? We're here to obey. And um, so, Lord, what do I do? And um, so uh, she came to the table, and it's this attitude. And I said, sweetheart, can I talk to you a second? And you could tell fear hit her because she knew what she was doing. And I just stepped away and I said, you know what? You are just so loved. And, you know, I'm a Christian and I know God and I know how much he loves. And I just I just started saying, and he is a father who loves in a way natural fathers can't love, you know? And I just started talking to her about a heavenly father that loved her. And it wasn't a prophetic word, but it was very prophetic. And, um, but I just talked to her and, you know, her eyes welled up with tears and she says, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then, I mean, we were treated like queens, you know, after that. And then every time I had more food on my plate, I had more stuff and I go, that I don't need, all right. And so, but I, she was just like, wait, my cup would get half empty and she'd fill it back up you know she just was just so attentive and every time she came over she leaned down and said thank you thank you so much well I didn't I didn't say and and the father loves you and he says this and did it in more the churchy type way but it still was prophetic because it was divine inspiration it just wasn't communicated in a church way or a religious way even though it was spiritual even though I mentioned you know that I was a Christian I mentioned that you know God you know our creator our father God and but I started telling her and some of it I know was the Holy Spirit initially but see I told her things that came from my human spirit let me tell you about the nature of our Father God. And I said, oh, if you would have known me, you know, and stuff. And, and we just had this little talk. And it was, it was just short. It was this short thing, maybe three-minute moment. And it, it was transformative. So it was prophetic, but parts, I believe, were my human spirit because I was going on the truth. I was going, I believe it was inspired, but... It was my knowledge of the word, my knowledge of the Father. Does that make sense? But it was initiated prophetically from the Holy Spirit. He interrupted me, telling me about, you know, her being hurt from her father. So 
Oh, I didn't say a word about that. Because see, when we're hurting, we there's responses, you know. It wasn't during COVID or anything. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even thinking. I wasn't even thinking about. I just knew that that was not good customer service. But it, it, you know, I could have put all my focus on what irritated me, or I could have, you know, chosen. And honestly, initially, I, I can't give myself any credit for that because the Holy Spirit interrupted me. God is so good. But, you know, guess what? The voice of the Lord trumps everything. Amen. Our opinion, what irritates us. Yeah. But you know what? Instantly, her customer service was better. <laughs> so isn't it true when, when we're hurting, when we're fearful, we just do things that are really not even us? I mean, I look when I, first years of our marriage, oh my gosh, you know, uh, I mean, we didn't treat each other badly, but we didn't we didn't know how to open our hearts. We didn't know how to love each other. We didn't know how uh, to communicate. I mean, we, we were just, we had so much baggage. My husband went through every type of abuse that there was, you know, and you know my stories. And we, uh, it was like two ticks on a dog, two, two ticks no dog i mean just trying to suck the life out of each other you know and uh you know we weren't meeting each other it was a mess and um but it was all fear-based i remember i got married we we eloped i get in the car sit down we didn't talk for hours we just sat there and the first thing i broke the silence the first thing i said is you know, you have the power to make me miserable. I realized, because remember I was a man-hater, I really married a good, good friend, and I did love him. But it just hit me, oh my gosh, he can make my life miserable. So I let him know, if you ever hit me, if you ever do this, if you ever do this, I'm out of there and you're going to suffer. Just want to let you know. <laughs> Come on, guys. Isn't God good? God is so good. <laughs> you heard some of his stories on Sunday, you know. He, he'd always give me the silent treatment, and God, God spoke to him and said, you better watch how you treat my daughter. I mean, here we are hearing the voice of God. Do you realize it takes a while for this to align with that? And we have to be vigilant. And did we love God? Yes. Do we love each other? Yes. Did we want to please God? Yes. But see, that's why we've got to follow after mature love. Because we'll never represent the kingdom well without it. If there's any other reason that we do something other than love. And you know what? When God spoke to me, you know, even if I wouldn't have done anything with that girl or that waitress, God was correcting me. He was showing me what perfect love looked like. You're judging her based upon the external, but you know what? I know what she's going through. And so I got a taste of perfect love, which shifted my mindset. And so we're all a work in progress. And uh, so we got to get on so we can 
uh, do some activations. So uh, Romans 12, 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace. What is grace? The divine ability, right? Divine ability, divine enablement. So the, the gifts that we carry have not come because we've worked for them. It's a gift that God has given us. So we can't take credit for any of our gifts. And those gifts are empowered by the Holy Spirit. So he gives us a gift and he gives us the ability to utilize that gift to advance his kingdom. And then he rewards us when we do it. Isn't he amazing? Here's a gift. I'm giving you the power to do it. I'm empowering you. I'm giving you the grace to do this. And when you do it, I'm going to reward you because whatever you sow, you reap. Oh my gosh. Isn't that something? So, um, the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to our proportion of faith. So by reason of use, our senses are exercised. So the more we practice responding to the voice of God, the more faith uh, we're going to build. And I talked a little bit about that last week. So uh, I want to go very quickly into the gifts of the Spirit. Very quickly. Uh, uh, first is just picture a hand. So here we have, uh, when it comes to, where's the, erase this. Okay, so there is the hand one two three four five okay <laughs> there are the eyes and then there's the mouth okay so the gifts of the spirit are divided up into three categories the hand is the power gifts which are faith the gift of faith the gift of healing and miracles and the purpose for those things are delivering performing soundness restoration and unshackling and these things are often because these they're so awesome because it's like bam god does something that's so powerful it is not drummed up by man it is uh it's not just having faith it is a gift of faith it is a, a supernatural release of faith to do what we never could have done with our personal faith. It's a, a gift of healing. It's going beyond just praying, but it's a supernatural release of that healing. Miracles, the same way. Then we have uh, the eye, which is the revelation gifts, which are word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. Their purpose is is to discern, to perceive, to see, to reveal, and to understand. And then we have the voice or the vocal gifts. And we're going to, I'm just giving you these. We'll come back to them later on. But uh, the vocal gifts is basically prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. The purpose of prophecy, we know, is declaring, proclaiming, speaking, relating, and utterance. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. And interpretation of tongues and tongues um, are equal to prophecy. Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God. Oh, that's exactly what we do when we're doing activations. We're stirring up the gift of God, which is in thee by the laying on of hands. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. But all these work that one and self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. You know, we can't drum this stuff up. This is what God puts inside of us. And when we are sensitive to the unction of the spirit, then we know how to step out. And when we recognize 
recognize the spirit has brought that unction, then there is the faith to accompany that. Zechariah 4, 6. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by my spirit. So <clears throat> what I want to do now, you're going to have to go quite a few pages. Uh, how many pages? I don't know. Try to go three, four pages and go to the vocal gifts. Maybe it's two pages for you, three pages. Do you see that? The vocal gifts? Page 41. Page 41. <laughs> so what I want to do, these are the five channels. And I, I'd love to get through. I won't uh, teach them all in detail uh, today because we're going to do activations with these as well. But it's very important for us to be able to recognize um, where our lane is in the prophetic. And so there's basically five types or five channels of prophecy. So the first one is the office of the prophet. Now, really, I'm teaching you. Now, I've, I've had people who have stepped into the office of the prophet. They were called to be prophets in the prophetic track. I've done a lot of prophetic training over the last, oh, my gosh, 25 years. So, uh, there, there were some prophets. What? Right? There's some prophets, some apostles, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Right? But, oh, I got to teach well, maybe most, I'm, I'm going to do it right now because it's the next thing. See, you didn't even read it. And so, yeah. so Ephesians 4, 8. Let me erase this so I can draw another picture. Okay. So when we read this in Ephesians 4, 8 to 11, wherefore he said, when he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. What were those gifts? Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. So here we take Jesus. Jesus, Jesus was apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. All five-fold giftings resided inside of Jesus. It was all in Jesus. So when Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave gifts unto man. He gave apostles, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Did you see that? And then it is the responsibility of this fivefold then to equip the whole body of Christ. Why? So that everyone can understand the anointing of the apostle and step into it. That doesn't mean they are apostle, but God's called you all to build. Every one of you are called to build, right? He put visions and callings inside of every person, and he's given us uh, the what's come from Jesus. As Jesus is, so are we in this world, right? And the apostle will teach us and lay foundation in us and equip us. And so really, I'm doing the prophetic course this year more than ever, probably with more of an apostolic anointing because I'm bringing you know, more foundational building things that build you as a person as well as build uh, the gift. So here, the apostolic releases that apostolic anointing in you. So what does a prophet do? A prophet equips the church to hear the voice of God, learn how to flow in the prophetic, right? Understanding we should not be ignorant of the gifts of the Spirit, right? 
We should not be ignorant. So when we recognize, you know what? There are some saints that can prophesy rings around some prophets. But they're not a prophet. But they carry a strong prophetic mantle. So on Sunday, you said there was four who ministered to your son, correct? One was a prophet. That's Katie. The other three were just extremely equipped prophetic saints. Was Tracy one of them? She had blonde hair? No. No? It was Dean and a white-haired lady and Katie oh, and Loretta. Oh, not Dean as much, but um, Debbie and Loretta, they, I mean, we're talking 25 years, have been functioning in the prophetic very, very strong prophetically. Dean, Dean's a, he was probably there in training, okay? You know, being there in training. And so, uh, but by reason of use, you go back five years from now, you'll go back and he'll be at a whole other level. But he's in a safe environment with a prophet to be able to speak into it and prophetic saints. So, Tracy, I wish Tracy would have been back there. She's a little fireball. And, uh, but, but anyway, so the prophets equip people to prophesy to hear the voice of God, respond to the voice of God, and communicate the voice of God. Evangelists, what do evangelists do? They aren't the only ones that get people saved. They equip us with a passion and a heart for evangelism, right? Doesn't the Bible say we should all do the work of the evangelist, right? Uh, I just read we should all covet to prophesy. Okay? And then pastors. Oh my goodness, every pastor should stir inside of every believer to care for their fellow men, to look, to you know, fix up the boo-boos and all those things and to be a friend. Really, there's less said about a pastor than anything else, and we see more pastors than we see anything else. When in actuality, they probably call themselves pastors. People call me pastor in our church, but I don't have the fivefold gift of the pastor. I mean, I carry a pastoral anointing, I know how to pastor, but I pastor as an apostle. I don't know pastor as a typical pastor, as a, you know, a five-fold pastor would. Ask everybody in the church, you want counseling? Don't go to Melody. <laughs> I sent him to Loretta. Okay. And so, and then teachers. I love the scripture that says you have been taught, teach, right? So what you've been taught, you can, you can teach somebody else. Every single one of us should function in all five of those anointings. And we gain an understanding and we practice them by being equipped by those who carry those fivefold. And that's what's so amazing about Global. They bring in such a diversity of ministers that you see the different grace gifts on each person, right? Because there's things that you glean. Some you'll connect to more based upon the gifts that are inside of you and the voice inside of you and the passion that you carry. You might connect to them more. But the fact is, they, um, and the reason you connect is probably because it's stirring what's inside of you. But we can learn from everyone. When I hear just a typical pastor, I'm going, Melody, you just really need to listen to them. You need to absorb and apply, <laughs> you know, because that's not my propensity, okay? So, um, did you have your hand up, Sarah? Yeah, I was trying to find, I can't find it right now, but there's a place where Paul names about three of those that he's called to. So, when you have more than one office, is there one that's the major and there's two that you, how does that work? Yeah, like for me, I know... 
I know I'm a prophet and I'm an apostle. I know I'm dominantly apostolic, uh, secondarily. I believe I apostolically build, like I hear the voice of God and then I build what I hear. Okay. Does that make sense? Um, but if I was predominantly prophet, this class would be completely different. <laughs> I wouldn't be focused on the foundations as much as the as the activations, but I do love activations, and um, but but I I want to build you as a person so that when you do prophesy, it is really building the kingdom of God. It's not just releasing, you know the um, the process of of the prophetic. So this is not, so a five-fold gift. This is not a gift of the Holy Spirit, but one of the five-fold ministry gifts. You see the picture up there? One of the five-fold ministry gifts as an extension of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus was all five. Bishop Hammond said, my spiritual father, today's New Testament prophet receives those attributes of Christ that endowed him with the ability to perceive what was in the heart of people to proclaim the future counsels and purposes of God and to know the secret things of God. So this is so important. We have to understand the office of the prophet because we can be super duper prophetic, but if we're not called to the governing office of a, a prophet, we've got to guard ourselves from not stepping into what only a prophet should do. Does that but make sense, guys? What, yeah, we, every single believer will function. Want, God wants every believer to prophesy, edify, exhort, comfort, right? But there's aspects that a five-fold governing office of a prophet functions in that is not for the average saint. All right? How do you find them five, say Pardon? Five functions of a prophet. This is in your syllabus. And it's in Ephesians too. Um, I'll try to remember. I don't think I brought any. Ah! Voila! Here's one. You want to give that to him? And you can tell him what page you're on. Yeah, I just go fast. I don't. I don't. I'll, you know, because I know you have these notes. So look at the office of the prophet. All right. So you will see people doing these things as a prophet. We don't want to do what they're doing because we see them doing it if we're not a prophet. Because that way we're walking in a realm of authority that we're not called to walk in. Do you ever see kids correct kids? No, I think it's the parents' responsibility. <laughs> All right. So uh, kind of just picture it that way. So the office of the prophet is a higher office, not in value, a higher office than the gift of prophecy. Their area of authority um, flows in providing direction. When you see a five-fold prophet, they will provide direction through their prophetic words. Okay? Correction. Guys, Simple prophecy doesn't mean we go around correcting people prophetically. We're not flesh detectors. We're not looking for what needs to be corrected in someone, right? 
Say yes, I'm listening to you, Melody. Okay. Pronouncing divine decrees of God's judgment or blessing. Mm -mm. We can bless. We can do that one. We'll decree God's blessing. But decree judgments? No. Moving in revelation knowledge. We can function prophetically with divine inspiration. But they function in a higher level of revelation knowledge. And, you know, you can basically the scriptures you know how Daniel he was in Bama he read the scriptures and he knew and so he began to function in revelation knowledge and he began to pray and pray for the uh, uh, the people be to be delivered from bondage so uh, imparting spiritual gifts anointing ministries and partaking of the secrets of God and so uh, a lot of these things you can't drum up but the two that I really, really, really want, well, three, is number one, number two, and number three, providing direction. We don't want to do that. My sheep hear my voice and the voice of a stranger, they don't follow. You know what? I know, and I might even be in a position of authority. We led 150 uh, churches, pastors, you know, for 20-some years. I never once told those pastors what I thought they should do. You know, I've been pastoring for a lot of years, and somebody comes and they just say, you know, Melody, Melody, you know, what's God telling you? And I say, what God, what's God telling you? And I know I carry a mantle of the prophet. Why? Because my goal is not to get people to come to me for direction. I want them to go to God for direction. I want to equip them. I want to be the prophet that equips the saints, not just telling it. But there are prophets that they might not know you, and they can give direction. I mean, I've, I've gotten those words, and I, I like that. I mean, <laughs> you know, my spiritual father, I mean, he's spoken into my life, you know, and he, he, he's, he is dominant prophet, and I've I had dominant prophets in my life, and I've seen them, and it's valid, it's real, it is God. We just don't want to go there without the knowing that we are functioning in the office of that and it's been confirmed by our fruit. You know, why do they have ordination? Because that's man's confirmation that you carry this. Because you've been functioning in it. They see the fruits of it. Right? So we want to avoid providing direction. You know, it's so easy to give someone else the counsel of what we think they should do. It's so easy. And, you know, we can give wisdom. We can just, as a friend, say, you know, this is what I'm thinking, but we don't want to do it. And the Lord says, you need to go move here. I told you the whole thing where, you know, the person came in and said, you need to leave this area and go to the city, right? And then later on, you know, God was using it to challenge, you know, my commitment. But the fact was, you know, I've been in this long enough that I have to hear God for myself and I want other people to hear God for themselves, correct? And so we want to avoid direction, correction, and making judgments against something. 
Well, I'm just cursing that in the name of Jesus. Oh my gosh. Come on, guys. We got to be very, 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 very careful. Okay. We can curse darkness, you know, but we want to be careful. So that one is very, 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 very important. And so we want to be careful to stay in our lane of the prophetic. And if we're not called the fivefold prophet, if it's not been confirmed, uh, by those that are prophets or those that are are in um, offices of authority in our lives then we want to avoid these things uh prophetic preaching uh i will go into this in more detail but that's just spontaneous preaching inspired and revealed by the holy spirit it must be biblical truth and so honestly this people will see me being prophetic when i preach that's why a lot of times I don't stick because I feel the Spirit of God pulling me in directions. And the apostolic part of me loves laying foundations. I love teaching. I love mentorship. I love equipping. I love building people. I'm all about people seeing their identity and their purpose. Oh, that's the one Melody loves the most. But while I'm busy doing that, he interrupts me. You know, and that's powerful. I love that, and I've learned to respond that. And when, uh, and when that doesn't happen, I leave feeling there was no anointing there, because <laughs> I love when he interrupts me. Okay, so prophetic preaching—it must be biblical truth. It today freaked me out a little bit when I turned it and moved right there. I mean, that was like pretty cool okay so it's exactly what god wants to say often saying things in a way using divinely directed illustrations i remember i went to a youth did i tell you about my youth camp story you know i love young people and i went there and and uh just tons of young people i didn't know them i was in a different state in a different ministry and i was in there and i was just teaching and and i was just uh uh, giving I started giving an illustration I said you know it's just like some guy drives up in this red sports car whatever I said it was a red car but I can't remember what name of the car it was drives up in this red Mustang or whatever it was and he uh, he doesn't even come and knock on the door you know to meet your parents he just beeps a horn and expects you to run out you know and going through all these things and and I'm like going into this big long story and after it was over, this girl came up to me crying. She said, everything you said, what the guy did, what the guy said, he had a red Mustang, whatever it was, everything was exactly. And she said, you know, I came here because all my friends were telling me how I need God. And I didn't think I need God, but now I know I need God. And she got saved. Amen. Amen. I didn't even know it was prophetic. <laughs> See, oh, my picture isn't there. The Holy Spirit dwells in our human spirit. And sometimes we just think it's us and we're passionate about that. And then later on you find out, oh my gosh, I was inspired by the Holy Spirit. I didn't even know I was prophesying. I didn't even know I was releasing divine inspiration. I didn't even know that big long story was one big long word of knowledge. Come on. It's so much fun. But see, it's not trying to be a prophet or trying to be prophetic. It is just having, you know, uh, following after love and desiring those gifts to be released in our life any moment of any day, not to give us a platform, not to make us look good, but because we love people. 
That's why we follow after perfect love. Loving people. We can make, I told you this before, we can make lots of mistakes. And if we genuinely love, it'll all work out. But we can do things perfectly, but if we don't love, it means nothing to the person receiving it. It's exactly what God wants to say. It is meant, yes. No, direction is this is what you need to do. Oh, so you're not direct, oh, I feel like you're going the missions field. Well, I feel like the Lord's telling you that you need to move to Texas. Here's the time frame of what you're going to do it in, and this is what you're going to so do Pacific. when you get there. Yeah, or ju- just saying, you know, uh, really, you shouldn't be in this job. You need to get another job. You know, I feel the Lord saying you got to get another job. Maybe God has them there, and it's a terrible place to be because they're a light and darkness. Who knows? You know, but the fact is to to go and be telling people what they should do because the fact is that's why I, I have trained all those people in our church. Never prophesy about marriage. Don't tell them, oh, you know, you're going to meet this guy, and you're going to, I mean, don't even go there. Don't prophesy who they're going to marry. Don't prophesy babies. Have them or not have them. I mean, you you don't go there. Because the fact is, if somebody does something based upon you communicating something like that, thinking it's God, and one reason I have a conviction about that, you guys will never meet my brother. My brother, God saved, loved God with all his heart. And those in authority in his life came up and said, you need to marry this person. This is, this is your wife. This is your wife. And they didn't do it as a prophetic word. They did it as a, a person in authority in their life. My brother got married. He's still married to that person. And they're not a bad person. But I want to tell you, that wasn't God. The moment he said, I do, it became God. He didn't do it because he loved. He didn't do it because that's what he wanted. He didn't date because that's what he wanted. It was a leader telling him what he needed to do. So I, I just, just a quick question. I agree with you on no mates, no dates, no babies. Like I know that's <laughs> no something that like, you don't do. But talking about the difference between somebody who's just operating in a prophetic gifting versus somebody who's in an office of a prophet, would you say that there is potentially, because I know it's yeah. a lot of contention in the church, no mates, no dates, no babies, but would you say that, that potentially there is a grace on somebody who carries the office of a prophet to say, I am calling something out of you that I see, and like the Lord says you're going to have children. Yeah, yes. The office, definitely. I think it's very much um, not prophesying a person, um, but I do believe, especially when um, the, that prophetic voice doesn't even know the people. Yeah. And then they, give, they communicate it in a way that is not manipulative. Gotcha. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But yes, I do believe the office of the prophet. And then 
you know, gifts are different. Some people just carry a very, very, very strong mantle that does release direction in people's lives. And that is, you know, an office of a prophet that really carries that and that is celebrated. And I, like I said earlier, I experienced that and I knew it was right on. And, um, uh, but I'm not preaching to prophets right now. (laughs) I'm just trying to bring that balance. And, uh, and then if somebody carries a certain mantle like that, it will be validated and affirmed and celebrated as they walk that out. And usually they're very, very, very much under authority and have people speaking into their life. I I think being a lone ranger apostle, lone ranger prophet, a lone ranger anything is one of the most unhealthy things we can do because then we become our own standard of truth. Mm -hmm. And that's where the things really get off kilter where now I, I control people. Um, but I'm, I'm a big advocate of equipping people to hear the voice of God for themselves yeah. and helping them navigate through that, um, you know, in such a way that they are built. Yeah, I, I never, because, and I also learned as a leader that if I help people to find the answer for themselves that they are very grateful because they have matured and they discovered it from the Lord um, that the revel actually I was just talking to actually she's a prophet a friend of mine uh, just this weekend and she says Melody I'm writing a book on fear and I go oh man that's great I was in so much she goes don't tell me anything don't tell me any of your revelations on fear you know because that's my I love talking you know confronting that because she said everything in my book I want to come right from the spirit (laughs) I don't want to I don't want to rehearse something somebody else has said so don't tell me I go I get it I get it you know and that wasn't even a prophetic word it was like and I've I've learned that people uh it's so true when you when God speaks to you something pierces your heart so deeply you know, because the revelation came to you. I can preach on shame, fear, and control that whole stronghold uh, with such authority because God revealed every ounce of it to me. So I'm not rehearsing what somebody taught me. And I just didn't apply what a person taught me. I applied what God revealed to me. And I get so excited when I can bring something to the table that challenges you to pursue God so you have your own encounters with revelation because nobody will ever steal from you your encounter. Nobody will ever, ever talk you out of what you know God spoke to you. So I just, uh, and I know God God will do, mm, my husband, perfect illustration. Um, Years, years ago, my husband just wanted to leave the ministry, and he just wanted to get out of the whole thing. And um, so we we were invited to go to a meeting, and there was three prophets from California. I don't even know their names, who they were. This is many years ago. And uh, we showed up, and we showed up with jeans, T-shirts. We sat in the back of the room. We were invited as pastors, but we didn't want anyone to know we were pastors. We just wanted to hide out in the back. 
not me I didn't care let me sit up front because I want a word right oh. and uh, but no no we had to sit in the back with our jeans and our sweatshirt on or whatever back in the days where pastors wore the suits and ties okay and uh, so we're back there and these guys get up the first people they pick that couple back there you know and then you know come up and th these people you you knelt like knelt down kneel down when they prophesied over you they like laid hands on you like this and they went right to my husband and they said question no longer am i called of the lord and how did i get into this in the first place and how am i going to get out of this and who's going to take over my place when i leave i mean word for word now, and that was very directional wasn't it word for word of everything he was saying me saying to me in the car driving there word for word and then they turned to me and said daughter you have been trying to talk to him and he hasn't listened to you but i'm talking to him now you know <laughs> It rocks. I mean, I, I still had that. I didn't even think about that prophetic word for a long time. But, man, I had that word memorized, you know. And so that was very strong. It was corrective. It was directive. And, um, but, and, and it, it immediately, he says, okay, God. Because he loved God. He just struggled with people and <laughs> struggled pastoring people and so it was a painful process <laughs> but now we're just we love it okay prophetic pre oh that's where i'm at uh it's meant for the people there right now at a present time when i went on that big rabbit trail you know <laughs> when alfredia said yes i needed that illustration so uh at that time specifically directed to the present not applied to the body of christ at large so the fact is that might come out and it really affect the people right then and there and somebody listens to the video after and it doesn't mean anything because it was for that people or that or a person any five-fold minister can flow in prophetic preaching and in my opinion i believe any person who has a heart to honor god and please god and they are practiced and aware of the prophetic that god will flow through you not just from the pulpit preaching but in any sphere of influence he will flow through you and speak through you he will i'm convinced about it. i've seen I've, I've seen my grandkids do it didn't even know what they were doing i mean we've had toddlers hearing the voice of God. I mean, in those children's classes, I mean, you know, guys, I don't even know what they're called to, but they can hear God. Prophetic Presbytery. I won't go into that so much, but it's um, a third channel for prophetic ministry is the laying on of hands with prophecy by men and women of God who meet the qualifications of a presbyter. They don't have to be a prophet, but boy, they can flow in this because they have uh, function it in the prophetic so much and that's a two of those individuals they function in the prophetic so much they are in a place where we bring them into prophetic presbytery because they have practiced and are proven faithful to hear the voice of god and communicate in clarity um the gift of prophecy for all Bishop Hammond says, we must keep in mind that the gift of prophecy is not the same as the office of the prophet. We spent a lot of time on that. Rather, it's an extension of the ministry of the 
Holy Spirit who dwells in your human spirit. I added those words. While the office of the office of the prophet is an extension of the ministry of Christ. The gift is a body ministry function while the office is a headship function. So all can prophesy because it's a body function. God put it in every believer to minister to one another. So when you walk in the doors of a church, my goodness, you can find someone to edify. You walk into school every day just saying, give me someone to encourage today. You know, we, this is the body ministry. And the prophetic is the mantle that empowers that to take place in such purity. It's a gift. We, um, uh, we'll skip and we'll go to the uh, spirit of Wait. Where's my prophetic? Oh, I did that. Uh, the spirit of prophecy. I love this. Uh, we can't make this happen, but the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. This is not a gift or an office, uh, but an, an anointing arising from Christ within the believer, which takes place on occasions of special anointing. When can we expect this? People who do not normally prophesy beyond edificate, and this is really good, Alicia, for this one too, is... People who normally do not prophesy beyond edification, exhortation, and comfort may on occasions prophesy when the spirit of prophecy is present. Have you ever been in a meeting where there was such a strong mantle of prophecy that absolutely every single person could have got up and prophesied? We can't make that happen, but when it happens, it rocks. That's when the preacher never gets to preach, right? Because one person after another, after another, people are moved in the spirit. You know, they might not even have any practice prophesying at many times, you know, but they'll get up and, and they might not know how to deliver it, but it comes with such power. And there's such confirmation and such validation of what's God saying and doing in that. Um, when a mighty prophetic presence of the Lord permeates the surface, making it easier to prophesy than to keep silent. When people come under a company of prophets or under the mantle of an anointed prophet, you know what happens? Well, I'll get to that in a minute. Saul met a company of prophets and began to prophesy. Later, the spirit of the Lord came upon Saul's messengers as they prophesied. When people are challenged by a minister to let God arise and testify through them by the spirit of prophecy, that's what we do every time in activations. Have you noticed that sometimes it's like, I never did said anything like that before, and now it's flowing differently in class. Why? Because I am challenging you to step in, which at moments can step into the spirit of prophecy where you're stepping into a, a deeper level. But what that does is it teaches you, it equips you, it empowers you, and it gives you confidence when you leave here. Okay? Bishop Hammond says, those who prophesy under these circumstances should not assume, assume that they have the gift of prophecy or the office of a prophet. However, if they keep exercising their faith in this way, a confirmation by a prophet or prophetic presbyter may make known to them what extent they are called to the prophetic realm. And so, but every single believer can hear the voice of God and communicate the voice of God. And so I think we must be careful uh, as a prophetic people 
not to pressure people into prophesying. Now, you're on a prophetic track, so you put yourself here, okay? <laughs> but, you know, we don't want to necessarily do that unless someone has invited that to be there, right? Because in the midst of that, they can learn how they can hear the voice of God. But in the midst of all these things, even as we activate, we, we don't want to compare ourselves. It's according to the gift that's inside of us. So even as you listen to different ones prophesy, every one of you are so different. And like immediately, the very first, no, it wasn't the first class because that was on shame, but the very first prophetic class, immediately I knew Rebecca was a prophetic intercessor just by the way she functioned. Immediately I knew that her vein, that doesn't mean that God can do whatever he wants to in any way. But the, the understanding that her, her moments of the greatest revelation is going to be for intercession or in intercession. Direction from the Spirit of God, what to intercede for. And when she gets into the intercession, how to intercede. So just like praying in tongues, we're praying in tongues. Our understanding is unfruitful. Our spirit man, God himself, is praying through us. Right. This is, that rocks. Yeah. I love the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, like, uh, I love preaching on that. And uh, that's why I put it in here. But um, it's so powerful because we are praying the perfect prayer. And when we don't know how to pray, the spirit of God can pray through us. Yeah. But when you're a prophetic intercessor, you'll do that in English. I'll hear prophetic intercessors pray, and I'm going like, almost a jealousy, holy jealousy rises inside of me. Because, I, you know, I'm just praying, I'm doing all this stuff, you know, and, and, um, and then, okay, I hit it, so I just pray in tongues. Because I don't know what else to pray about it, so I just pray in tongues. But a prophetic intercessor can go and go and go and go. And, man, they're hitting it. That's, that's my Loretta. My life has been saved by prophetic intercessors because they know what to pray for, when to pray, how to pray. They are directed to prayer as well as through the prayer. Ah, that, You'll see no successful person without intercessors. We cannot go anywhere. Our prayers don't precede us. You know, I tell you, Alicia, you flow with a, a, a prophetic mantle that as you step into that greater levels of revelation are going to come for the role that you play. And it's not just your ability to communicate clearly. Because some could say, well, that's just you. But in actuality, the reason it is just you is because of the prophetic mantle that you are storing in this season. And so it, it's, it's not exalting above or going below, but it's, it's learning where that is and being very aware when God is stretching you. So, I mean, that's really, really, really important for you to know. And it, oh, I got three minutes. So, 
we won't do this till next time, but we're going to come back and really unpack prophetic presbytery, and then you all will be prophetically preaching. And you can't even prepare for it. You won't even know what you're going to be preaching on until I give you the opportunity. It is my favorite class of the year. What is that? When we come back from break. (laughs) I am like, so that's why I wanted to get it in by this week, but I've been too long-winded with you guys. And, um, but it is just so awesome. It's my favorite because we're doing that today. No, no. Wait, well, we when that, we come like, back yeah, that's from break, so we don't have class that Tuesday. When we come back from Thanksgiving break, we don't have class that Tuesday. Yeah. No, no, no. It'll be in January. Oh, okay. Oh, January. No, not come back today. Today. Uh, no, no, no. Because I, I need to teach on it a little bit before we go there. Um, but what? we're going to do today is prophesy according to vision for activation so we'll cut out and come back and you brought all your stuff so get ready to prophesy Wait, where was- oh.